Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's going on, everyone? Good morning on this Saturday, late October. It's going to be a gorgeous day, gorgeous weekend. Uh, hopefully the sunshine gives you a little pickup today uh, after a tough loss in Brooklyn. Uh, where Brooklyn at? Uh, they showed up, especially down the stretch. Um, really good game. This is another... Great game for the neutral, great game for the casual. Uh, however, um, I might have to do a follow-up appointment with my doctor uh, for my heart. Because, my gosh, my uh, heart rate <laughs> has definitely elevated. My, my hypertension <laughs> has definitely elevated. Um, I'm sore today, guys. Uh, I'm sore after that one. My shoulders, I, apparently I hold stress in my shoulders. Gosh, another close, tense, clutch game. Uh, and uh, it was not easy to watch. Very nervy. Uh, I said this yesterday that I thought this game would be a very nervy game. Anytime you play KD or Kyrie that has the potential uh, to be nervy. And uh, it was nervy at, at its uh, highest level for the second game of the season. Uh, quick notes uh, to, to point out some positive things before we get into the gameplay. Uh, good to see Steve Nash again. Um, not sure how well he coached last night. Don't think he coached poorly, but uh, good to see... Captain Canada, uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Canadian basketball players of all time, at least at this point. I'm sure there's going to be a couple guys who go by him. But uh, when you're a two-time MVP in the league, uh, that's good. He's put so much into Canadian basketball. A lot to uh, be grateful, uh, a lot of gratitude towards Steve Nash. Uh, I remember growing up and Steve Nash... Uh, in an interview during an NCAA tournament coverage, um, talked about dribbling a tennis ball around the Santa Clara campus. And for me, as a young point guard, I was like, shoot, I got to do that. I got to work on my handles. Um, I naturally was more of a shooting guard. I to be honest, I played the game a lot more like Reggie Miller and Steph Curry. A lot of movement off ball, but could also play make. But I needed to improve my handles, and there was just so much speed uh, and so much pressure from other guards in, in Mississauga and then the GTA. Um, so when I heard that, you know, what Steve Nash did to uh, improve on his dribbling, um, I had to do it. So anyways, shout out to Steve Nash. Uh, also a reunion last night of sorts. Uh, Yuta Watanabe on the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if he got any minutes last night. I'm going to have to check that. 
but Yudawadanabe there, good to see him. He had uh, a nice article. Um, didn't get into too much detail, but a heartfelt article in the Players' Tribune. Um, simple, quick read. Uh, take a look if you want. Actually, Yuda did not get a minute last night, which is kind of surprising in some respects. But uh, I guess they knew that that his uh, you know his makeup wasn't necessarily going to help him last night. Probably still needs to hit corner threes and hasn't had any consistency. But good to see Yuta. Hardworking, kind human. It, it, you know, we saw that in the two seasons he was with the Raptors, but uh, you could also uh, see it and feel it in the Players' Tribune article. Um, so great to see Yuta on the sidelines and the guys uh, dab each other up before the game. Uh, this game uh, had a roller coaster ride to it. Uh, the Raptors came out in the first half, played solid, took the lead, seemed like they were front running and, and going to have some control over this game. Um, had a you know seven point lead in the first half. I think they even got it up to eight or nine at one point. And you thought, man, here's here's a chance. Here's a chance to get a little separation. And our offense went cold. And if there's one thing uh, that the Nets have. It's offensive weapons, and uh, KD and, and Kyrie were able to keep him in the game, and also Nick Claxon, who I think the officials uh, did not um, recognize uh, during this game. He got a major haircut, uh, no more blonde dreads. Uh, he had just a shaved head, and I, I think they mistaken him for a young Giannis because the treatment that Coloco got from guarding Claxon was that of a Giannis. Um, he got foul calls off soft things. Um, it, it was crazy. Uh, Claxon played well, don't get me wrong. He rebounded the ball very well, especially on the offensive glass, was just uh, really wreaking havoc for the Raptors. But Coloco got the uh, the, the short end um, uh, of of the stick, so to speak, with the way um, the officials were favoring Claxon. A lot of soft calls, but regardless, um, they got back into the game through guys like Claxon. And uh, unfortunately, the Raptors only led this game at the break uh, by three points, 52-51. Brooklyn came out strong, as you want to, at home, when you've lost your first game, when you have the payroll that they do, when you have the pressure and expectations uh, that they do. They came out strong, and we kind of just took it. Unfortunately, the start of that third quarter uh, was not great, and Brooklyn took a, an eight-point lead, and I, I was looking over at Zaya. We watched the second half together and thinking, what are our guys doing? Why are we just kind of letting the game come to us? In that third quarter against the Cavs, we had force. We had purpose. Uh, we had determination. We had sharpness. And last night at the start of that third quarter, we kind of just like let the game come to us instead of taking the game uh, in our grasp and, and letting us dictate what happens. And that was really disappointing. Now, interestingly enough... Uh, you know, I was thinking, man, we, we need a wake up call. And this is where Kyle Lowry 
you know, something would happen and, and he would turn it up and get the guys going. And it's interesting. The last two games, um, something has happened, um, whether it's been somebody on the other team or just internally making a change. But Fred Van Vliet had a bit of, a little bit of a poke the bear type attitude. Kyrie laughed at him last night after a foul and Freddie just kind of laughed it off and then quickly hit a mid-ranger. And I thought, oh, here we go. Fred's turning it up. And the last two games in the second half, Fred has really played well. He's been a primary playmaker. He hasn't put too much energy in the offensive end in the first half of both games, trying to kind of save himself for um, what he needs to do in the second half. And I, it, it kind of makes sense. It looks smart the, the way the last two games have played out because he looked very good in the second half of this game. Um, from a leadership standpoint, defensively, he was excellent again. Uh, last year, third team defense, and, and he's just showing why he is such a difficult guy to to deal with on on the defensive end, especially for those smaller guards. Kyrie got all of Freddie's defense, and even though Kyrie had pretty big numbers, um, when Fred was on him, it was tricky, and, and Fred made life difficult. Fred also played really good help defense, had a, a bunch of steals in that second half. Uh, he, he looked good. Four steals for Fred Van Vliet. Uh, he was a plus three, one of the few uh, Raptors who, who was a plus. Actually, that's not true. Uh, oh, I guess half our guys were, uh, had a, were above zero on the plus minus, uh, which says something uh, about our bench, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, really solid. Uh, Fred, nine shots in the first game, took 11 shots. I actually kind of like what he's doing. A lot more efficient, um, no turnovers to go with nine assists. He had seven boards and he was four of six from downtown um, and was seven for 11 from the field. Uh, and a lot of those points and those shots were in the second half. I think it was one of two and a half. And I like that. I like him getting the other guys aggressive, uh, especially Pascal, uh, Scotty OG, even Gary. Gary had it going in the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, I really liked what Fred did um, in that second half. Unfortunately, in this one, as I said, the, there was this roller coaster ride. And uh, I think Fred um, had come out of the game. Uh, they were dialing him up for the fourth quarter. And, and Pascal just took over, uh, scoring all kinds of points in that third quarter to give us the lead. Um, and the Raptors took a 78-68 lead at one point in the third quarter with about three minutes to go. And OG was kind of so-so. Gary really struggled in the second half. But you could see Scotty was playing better. Freddie was more dialed in. And now, okay, the rotation is happening with the bench to give Freddie a break. Uh, you know, OG was coming out. Scotty was coming out. And once again, we had to look to our bench to make some impact. And like game one... Uh, the bench struggled for pretty much the whole game. Um, 
from an, uh, you know, an effective or impact standpoint, I think Coloco probably had the most impact on the team off the bench. Uh, he played 20 minutes, Thad Young, only six. Um, and Coloco was just a minus three, whereas Achuo was minus eight and Banton was a minus 15. But that stretch uh, at the end of the quarter was really the, the, the critical moment. It really was the swing moment in the game. KD came out of the lineup. It was 78-68. We left Pascal on the floor as, as uh, I believe, both Scotty and uh, Fred went to the bench. And from 2.43 in the third quarter, 2.43 left in the third quarter, till 8.16 to go in the game, KD was out. We had that 10-point lead, and it went from 78-68 to 91-88, an advantage for the Brooklyn Nets. We lost the non-KD minutes in that section 23-10. to and that was just so ugly to me uh, and so frustrating because we had them. Pascal was feeling it, but we still had to make, you know, cuts. We still had to make back screens. We still had to move and move north-south um, and stay aggressive and go after this team. Hunt mismatches, all those good things that you want to see from your team. But that was the moment especially where we had KD on the bench, that we had to light this team up. And unfortunately, that bench unit with Pascal, the last 243 of the third quarter, was horrible. Just horrible. Banton was a minus 15, and I think most of it came in that 243. Um, and that was a real letdown. What was even worse, KD came back into the game with Pascal uh, the score, 91-88, and the Nets went on a 9-0 run. So over the course of 6:37, um, with KD out, and then the next three, almost three minutes. So we're looking at nine minutes of play. The Raptors uh, let the Nets go on a 32-10 run. And that was a key moment. The game wasn't over. But gosh, did we put ourselves in a hole and throw away this great advantage that we had had and really threw away a, an incredible stretch from Pascal and an incredible game from Pascal. Um, so that really stung. However, Raps Resilience, classic Nick Nurse team, um, not going to give up. And this was not a fake comeback. Raps go on an 11-0 run. Uh, sorry, a 13-2 run. And tied the game up. Tied the game up through an OG and an OB three. With about 2.30 to go in the game. Incredible comeback. Incredible comeback. And the game was tied at 102. Well, then Kyrie makes an incredible shot. Gary then comes back and hits a nice bucket. KD then hits a three right in the face of the defender. I don't know if it was Scotty or Pascal, but we were right there and KG just shows 
why he's a sniper, one of the great snipers in NBA history. Uh, and then Freddie comes back with a mid-ranger, and it's 105-104 with 38 seconds to go in the ball game. Just an incredible game. Again, for, for the casual, for the neutral, the last two games have been must-see TV. It's been really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, um, with just 0.6 on the shot clock in the next possession and 15 seconds to go on the game clock, Kyrie gets out of a double team. Gary's late on the rotation. You can't give up threes when you're up one with that much clock. Even if you give up a simple two, at least it's still a one-possession game. This has been a reoccurring theme for the last uh, season and into this season. And Royce O'Neal buries a triple. Now, you hope he misses it. You think maybe he will miss it. But Royce O'Neal is a pretty solid three-point shooter, and he's a, he's a decent role player. And Royce O'Neal earns his paycheck, nails the three-point shot with, like I said, 0.6 on the shot clock, and the Nets are able to get a 108-104 lead. Now, the game was not over. On the other end, with nine seconds to go, Pascal almost has an and one, uh, which would have got the game to 108-106, and then he could have hit his free throw to get it to one. And then again, it's a one-possession game. You foul, and you try to make a big shot on the other end, although they probably would have fouled us. Regardless, uh, Pascal doesn't get that bucket. Uh, He makes one of two from the line. We almost get the offensive rebound, but we weren't there. Um, then there was, uh, they inbounded the ball. I think we fouled him. We had a foul to give. They inbounded KD and Freddie stripped him clean down three and we're going the other way. And, and we would have had a shot to tie it. Unfortunately, they call yet another soft foul against us. And, uh, they, they hit, uh, one or two free throws to go back up by four and take the ball game 109, 105. Um, some positives to take away from this game. There were some positives. As I said, Fred Van Vliet has played two incredible second halves for us. Uh, he's been very efficient. He hasn't looked exhausted at the end of games. He hasn't looked like, you know, he's, he's overstretching himself. He's, he's not forcing things. Very efficient game. Four for six from downtown. Seven of 11 from the field, as I said before. Uh, Pascal was all world, uh, top 10 player, uh, level for sure. Best player on the court for the second straight game. Yes. Donovan Mitchell was excellent offensively, but both sides of the ball in that Cleveland game, he was the best player on the floor. And again, proved that he can be a top eight guy by being the best player on the floor, start to finish in this Nets game. He was excellent. 37 points, 12 uh, rebounds, 11 assists, third triple-double in his career, I believe. Um, don't quote me on that. Uh, sorry, third triple-double um, in the last 10 games. I believe it was his ninth triple-double in uh, his career, which is just one behind Vince Carter in Raptors franchise history. Um, but man, oh man, um, he looked 
awfully good. Now, a theme with Pascal, free throw shooting. In the preseason, you saw this. In the game against Cleveland, four for eight. He was two of six, I believe. Two of six. No, that's my mistake. Five for nine from the free throw line. Five for nine. Um, He alone could have had uh, us in the lead um, with nine seconds to go if he hits all nine of his free throws. But four of eight, five of nine. And I think I mentioned this on on the last postgame, but I'll say it again. Um, He has changed his mechanics. And you can see uh, where the mistake is happening, where he's struggling, or why he's struggling in the mechanics. He's changed something with his his release motion and the timing of that release. Um, and And he's really struggling with that. And players do this. They change their mechanics... Uh, for one reason or another, um, maybe to make things more efficient, maybe uh, to not put too much energy. I think Pascal's old free throw uh, mechanics had him using too much of his body and they wanted to quiet his his mechanics, his shooting motion. Um, and so by getting it quieter, you put more emphasis on the arm. And on and on the wrist release, and I think he's struggling uh, with that. But you could you could tell on one of his uh, trips to the line, Pascal's wrist motion had a hitch to it, and, and he's just figuring out the timing and when to release uh, on on that free throw. Um, and I think that's what he's just he's thinking too much to some degree. Uh, but he just hasn't done it enough. I mean, you know, I, I'm no—I was nowhere near NBA level. I was nowhere near NCAA level uh, when I was playing. Um, uh, but I'll tell you this: the one area where I could have improved on my game was at the free throw line. I was a bit of 75% free throw shooter, which I would say was uh, about average for a starting guard in high school, but for a guy who also played for the city of Mississauga, could have easily played Canadian University basketball, um, maybe D2 ball. Uh, You know, I should have been 85% from the free throw line. And unfortunately, I was very inconsistent in my mechanics. And a lot of that is in your head. Um, When you're going through the free throw motion, you're thinking too much. You've got, you know, the moment of the free throw where you're thinking, okay, this is a big shot and I got to hit both free throws. You're thinking about who's watching sometimes. Sometimes you're thinking about the motion itself. And unfortunately that thinking or overthinking costs you because you need to be just going through the motion itself because you're capable. It's probably the, the easiest shot in basketball, if not it's the second easiest shot. I guess like a fast break layup would be the easiest shot from a, a mechanics and and uh, uh, opportunity standpoint because there's no one guarding you. And man, oh man, I remember just getting stuck in my head. And my coaches couldn't understand it. And I was frustrated by it. Um, but it was just an overthinking. And I think Pascal right now, he's not overthinking about the moment. He's already had those big moments and he's hit free throws many, many times in clutch moments. It's 
he's overthinking the mechanics of it. And I think that will correct itself in the next, you know, 15 to 20 games. But it will take some time. You, you see Giannis uh, with it in the past. You see Shaq. You see um, Giannis um, having those issues. And although Pascal uh, is not a, as big uh, as, uh, or as long as Giannis, he's not as big certainly as, as Shaq. He wasn't, he's not even as big as Tim Duncan was. Um, he's trying to correct his mechanics to not just be a, a, you know, a 75 to 80% free throw shooter, but to be a 90% free throw shooter because he knows those points are going to matter. And tonight again, uh, those points, uh, those you know, leaving points on the board by missing four, th- four three free throws, uh, really cost the Raptors. It also cost him a 40-point game. He had 37. If he just hits three free throws, he hits 40, and that's that's a hell of a night, and probably just gives the Raptors that extra little bump, um, so that they don't have to double team Kyrie in the moment that they did because they'd be leading. Um, but anyways, those are all little small skills. Now, I will say, to keep on the Pascal note, but get off the free throw note, I will say this. After the game, even though we got a loss, there were a couple wins and some positives to, to look at, some silver lining. After the game, Kyrie uh, spoke about Pascal, and he, he referenced the, the runs on Rico Hines, so you know that guys in the league are watching those runs because they're peers and high-level peers uh, are in those games, and, and he said how good Pascal was in those Rico Hines runs and the work that Pascal's put in. But he also t- just, Kyrie also just talked about how good Pascal is and how difficult a cover he is and how difficult he is on the defensive end um, because of how long, how smart, how agile he is. Um, he's locked in, and, and he looks like one of those top guys. Um, something that was positive, although, you know, it's, it's also disappointing, um, and I, you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, the Dunker Spot, which I've really enjoyed actually getting into this this uh, summer and now into the fall. Um, Doris Burke talked about uh, how much information is out there, how many articles are written, how many uh, podcasts there are, how much TV uh, there, coverage there is on the NBA specifically. And she said one of the things she loves is being able to listen to local media people, whether on a podcast or reading them in an article. And, and to have that much accessibility to information. And to me, as, as someone who's followed the league uh, since I was seven years old, um, so, you know, 37 years of watching the NBA and, you know, for the first 10 years of my life watching the entire league uh, as much as I could because there wasn't the Raptors. Um, And then once the Raptors come into play, I still followed the league because it was just something that I did. And unfortunately in in the States, uh, you you don't really have to do that. In fact, I've listened to a lot of New York and LA reporters and how they have no concept of basketball outside of their own games or their own market. And they may comment on a rival. They may comment on kind of superstars with the, throughout the league because that, that's 
who they have time to look at or that's who they want to look at. So, you know, maybe Ja has a good year and they talk about Ja or maybe they, uh, you know, they have uh, some time to to watch uh, a team that's doing really well. And so they watch, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers or uh, or, or someone like that. But league wide attention and especially um, Raptors attention just doesn't happen. And there was a Nets reporter who tweeted out yesterday. Here's a guy. This is his life. This is literally he is paid to do this job. And I don't know how much he gets, um, but I'm sure he does all right. And uh, this guy said, wow, he really hadn't spent much time watching Pascal and people need to put respect on his name. And for me, I'm like, this is a guy who is top 15 players of the league the last two, two of the last three seasons. He was a starter in the All-Star game. How have you not paid attention to this guy? I, I re- honestly don't understand. Um, I don't understand how that happens. I realize that we talk about this all the time. But forget about the Raptors, okay? When Vince Carter played for the Raptors, he was an individual guy, shining. I don't know how many All-Star games Vince played. I know he was a highlight, a walking highlight reel. But And I don't know how many times he was All-NBA uh, when he played for the Raptors. But everyone knew Vince Carter. And what's really frustrating for me is the Raptors are just as good as right now, as, you know, with, and especially with Pascal Siakam as they were um, when Vince Carter I, I was playing. I would even say they're better. So I, I don't understand how you don't know about a guy who, at the very least, is a top 20 guy in the league. I don't know how you don't know that outside of the simple fact that he's an international player playing for the only international team in the league. And it's just disappointing. But I appreciated that this guy was honest about it because um, a lot of... NBA reporters are not, especially American NBA reporters. And listen, Pascal is this good. And Pascal is worth watching, especially on both ends of the floor. And his ability to ISO, his ability to play make, and when he's hitting two threes in a game, as he has the last two games to start the season, yeah, you got to give him attention. Um, and, and it's a failure on your part as a paid media member if you're not giving a top 20 guy attention. If you can give Chris Middleton attention and respect, Pascal Siakam should be way past that. Again, top 15 guy two of the last three years. He's been an all-star. Um, he's flat out a top 20 guy in this league. So it was you know good to hear Kyrie talk about it. It was good for uh, you know Nets reporters to admit that. Um, but yeah. Anyways, um, tough loss. I think it, it's clear for the Raptors when they play in these big games um, on the road against Eastern Conference opponents, especially Atlantic Division opponents, um, you know, don't push us because we're close to the edge. We're trying not to lose our heads. Now, that could be a message from the fans, but it also could be a message about the Raptors. They're on the edge. They're on the edge of greatness. They're on the edge of throwing games away. <laughs> They're teetering. And, um, you know, last night's game was obvious. And, and where we're teetering right now to start the season is with turnovers and our bench. And it must be really frustrating for Nick Nurse. 
And if there's an area of the game that we really need to improve, it's the bench. We miss Chris Boucher. We miss having a backup point guard really badly. And I was hoping that maybe Conley would come our way. I've heard Eric Gordon's name talked about. But we need someone from the guard position that can help us out. And we need Chris Boucher, um, if not Otto Porter as well, to get healthy because we are struggling out there. And as good as Coloco is, unfortunately, he erases um, Thad Young's ability to play because he can't stretch the floor. Uh, Thad Young can't really stretch the floor, but Coloco can't. And so when Coloco's out there and Thad Young's out there together, it really limits both of them, but especially Thad Young. Um, So I'm looking forward to Chris Boucher coming back. We need the bench to step up. I also think that Delano Banton's got to be more confident with his mid-range. He can get that shot. He proved it in the in the uh, his work with Canada basketball this this September, and he proved it in the preseason. He's got to go out there and just look for those matchups against guys like Kyrie or Patty Mills, and and hit that mid ranger, not just force it going to the rim when there's a shot blocker like Claxton on the floor. Um, anyways, got another freaking game tonight. We will not do a. a post-game morning devotions tomorrow after the Miami game. We will wait until this kind of mini-series that we have. We have two games in Miami um, tonight and then Monday night, and then we'll do the same thing with the Philly game, a Philly mini-series. We play Philly um, twice, both at home, two days apart. Uh, and hopefully one of those games, I think it will probably, one of those sets of games, I think it will be the Miami game, We'll get uh, all three of us together. But until then, much love to y'all. Hope you, hopefully you get some rest. Uh, you got some rest uh, last night and you get uh, some time to unwind and enjoy the sunshine outside. It's uh, a, a, a nice little spell of weather we're going to get here in, in uh, Ottawa and, and in southern Ontario. So I hope you get that. If you're listening from the States, mad love to y'all. Thanks for paying attention to the Raptors. I don't know if you're... Uh, Canadians who are living in the States or you're just Americans interested in what we do, but really appreciate y'all as well. And the last thing I'll say, we haven't said this, I don't think for a while, but free Brittany Griner, um, 246 days she's been detained in Russia uh, for something uh, that was a medical need, just nonsensical um, that Brittany's still there. Um, So our thoughts, our hearts, uh, our, our attention and platforms need to be uh, constantly pointed to her. Uh, Brianna Stewart, a, a WNBA player, plays for the Storm uh, every day, uh, has the count. Here's here's yet another day where Brittany Stewart, uh, Brittany Griner is, is not home. Um, and so let's bring her home. All right, y'all. Peace.